What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on this show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. for He's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts. is it going everybody welcome back to another edition of the tell it abs it is podcast brought to you by the hockey podcast network and sponsored by DraftKings sportsbook march's biggest tournament is finally here we do not know who will be cutting down the nets at the end but we do know there will be no shortage of madness this march DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog, win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Turning $4 into $256 is 64 to 1 odds. Every dollar you bet could turn into $64. Pick one of many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is a $4 bet. We all know there are several upsets in college basketball in March, and if you're confident in your team pulling off the upset this March, you could be bringing home some money. There is no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. But don't worry if college basketball is not for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, and so much more. We all know the Colorado Avalanche have a busy, busy schedule coming up for the rest of the season. If you want to get yourself even more invested in the games, DraftKings Sportsbook is the app for you. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That's code THPN to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Folks, the Colorado Avalanche finally did it. They did the thing that I have been begging them to do all season long. The Colorado Avalanche are on a three-game winning streak for just the second time all season long as they sweep their two-game series against the Los Angeles Kings with a 2-0 win and a 4-1 win 
incredible defensive performances. And finally, in that second game, a couple bounces finally go through the goaltender and the avalanche get some goals on the board. First game against the Kings, 2-0. Cal Peterson stands on his head and the avalanche can't get a bounce, but fortunately, the Kings got no bounces and no goals at all. Didn't turn out to be much of a problem. Second game, the Avalanche dominate just as much. They they significantly outshoot the Kings in this series like they did the Coyotes. 40-plus shots in both games and just really solid performances across the board, especially from the second line in this second game against the Kings. But before we dive too far into these two games against the Kings, I had a very special guest that I wanted to bring onto the show today, and that would be Peter Ball of The Athletic, the beat reporter for the Colorado Avalanche. I had a great conversation with him before the Avalanche's second game against the Los Angeles Kings on Sunday. Peter Ball is just really one of the best in the business, and this conversation was really no different. He offered a lot of good insights on how the organization feels about their performance as we get to the halfway point of the season, some of the roots of the inconsistency problems with this team, the Hunter Miska situation, which I thought was very fascinating, and what he can see the team doing at the trade deadline that's coming up in less than a month now as it gets closer and closer. And he gave his honest opinion on whether or not he feels this team is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender right now or not, or or have they proven themselves as such. It was just a great talk with him. Peter's a great guy, and like I said, one of the best in the business. And we will talk about the two games against the Kings more in depth once that interview wraps up, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, so I am joined by Peter Baugh of The Athletic covering the Colorado Avalanche. Peter, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We really appreciate you coming on today. So the Avalanche, we are getting towards the midway points of the season, and some fans are a bit frustrated with their performance so far. They've struggled a bit. They haven't really strung a ton of wins together, but the team is still performing and is in a playoff spot. What sense have you gotten from the organization about how they've performed so far this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're obviously aware that maybe it hasn't been, they haven't been scoring as much as as in some past years. I think McKinnon said that the other day. But I think they also know the talent that they have on the roster. And I think uh, the higher-ups within the organization do feel good about the core they've built and the and the talent they have on the roster. It's just now about getting healthy and finding ways to, to string wins together. It, it definitely does not feel like this team has hit its peak yet. Absolutely. I mean, looking at their shooting percentage now, I believe the Avalanche are in the bottom five when it comes to shooting percentage. And this recent stretch of three games has definitely not helped that at all. Out shooting their opponents, I believe, almost 120 to about 40, as I checked. Do you think this team is ready to go on a serious run and start rattling off a bunch of wins once this scoring dam breaks? Yeah, I, I'm curious to see. I'm not I'm not sure, but I do think that like obviously when maybe some of those shots that aren't going in start going in, I think you could see a few lopsided games in the Avalanche's favor. 
Um, and I'm curious if that'll lead to like a good stretch of wins in a row, because you're right. They haven't really had one of those stretches where they've rattled off like six, seven wins in a row and really convincing fashion. They've had some where they, it almost felt like they were going on one of those stretches before the, the COVID pause hit. And then obviously they were off for a week and a half or two weeks. Um, but I, I do think that the, if they continue to outshoot opponents like they have in the last few games, they're going to be fine in terms of like at some point going on a run and scoring a bunch of goals. Yeah, it's certainly unsustainable for the way they've been playing to only get that 3-2 loss to Arizona, a 2-1 overtime win, and then just scoring one goal on Cal Peterson against the Kings the other night. You've, you you got to think at some point that the puck is just going to start to find its way in eventually. But outside of the, the low shooting percentage and lack of being able to score, what do you think has been the root of some of the inconsistency issues for the team this season? Has it been injuries or do you believe it's something a little more that they still have to work on? I mean, injuries certainly don't help. I mean, I think there's obviously things to touch up, but when you're missing, I mean, they've been without Cal McCarr 10 of the 25 games that they've played and they've been without McKinnon for, I guess, three or four games, which isn't, None of those are crazy amounts. Obviously, McCarr's almost half the year, but I, I think that when you get your best players playing, that's when it's easier to evaluate the team. But I do think that there is, like, it's fair to have some concern about if I, I think so. Like, the players have a few times said, like, it's better to have these injury struggles now than in the playoffs. But just because you have these injury struggles now doesn't mean that you won't have them in the playoffs, too. So I think that that's maybe the biggest concern and the biggest thing that the biggest problem I've seen with the team so far is less like the on ice performance and more the making sure everyone is on the ice to perform. I think that's a, I think that's a very good point. And one thing that I've seen a lot of avalanche fans question as of recently with all of the injuries that have started to plague this team, uh, not just this season, but over the last few years is that they've questioned the, the training staff, of the team and maybe if they are effective or not. Uh, have you picked up any sense of that from the organization that maybe the training staff isn't the best in the league or can that rumor be dispelled? I haven't uh, picked up on anything from the organization, but I also haven't been, I haven't talked to the organization much about um, the training staff. I do think it is, it's worth looking at the types of injuries the avalanche have had. Um, like if you look at the Eric Johnson injury, which has been one of the more significant ones, that was one where he like was hit and fell pretty hard on his head and shoulder. And we don't know exactly what the injury is, but that doesn't feel like something the training staff really could have done anything about. And then you look at like Nathan McKinnon getting hit in the head and missing three games like that there's nothing the training staff can do to stop that play from happening. You know, a lot of these Devon Taves missed some time after taking a puck to the foot, no amount of training staff work is going to, is going to make your foot immune to getting hit by a screaming puck, you know? So I, I think that it's definitely, I guess, fair to wonder about some things, but I, I think it's also like, you have to look at the types of injuries they've had and, uh, I don't know if there's much the training staff can do about those. I think I would completely agree with that because I think when 
a team deals with a lot of injuries. It's just something that's mainly outside of everybody's control. And it's mainly just bad luck. That's the avalanche have been struggling through. And when there's really nothing to blame, a lot of fans, a lot of the time, will just look for something to blame. And when it comes to a bunch of freak accidents, like the avalanche have been suffering through, it seems like the only thing you can really go at is the training staff sometime. But um, speaking of something else that fans have really been struggling with lately with this team has been the, the backup goalie situation with Hunter Miska. Now, obviously, Pavel Francouz has been out for the entire season, and there's no indication that he's going to be back anytime soon. And Miska's played five games, and it's safe to say no one's been overly impressed by his performances. And doesn't seem Jared Bednar is overly impressed as well. How do you see this situation playing out? Do you think they'll stick it out with Miska or stay within the organization until Francois eventually returns, or is there going to be a move imminent eventually? Um, I don't know about imminent, but I, I think the abs are, are frequently looking for subtle ways to improve, improve the team. And I'd also say that while Bednar obviously has acknowledged that they could have used saves from Miska in the last game, he's also, He's also talked about Miska in, I guess, ways that show that the organization does have some confidence in him and that it's less, I guess the last two times Miska has been out there, he's played pretty well until the end of the game, which obviously is a big problem, but it's not like he hasn't shown that he can be a good goalie. It's more about figuring out how to do that for a full 60 minutes and not freaking out at the end of the game. And now I think it's fair to wonder if now, when the avalanche are in a window of contention, if you really want to be like going through those growing pains with a goalie. Um, and it certainly has, I think you could say cost the avalanche, I don't know, maybe two points or in the, in the standings, if, if they had had maybe more reliable backup goaltending, and then you maybe could rest Grubauer a little more. Um, so I, I think it's certainly possible that the avalanche look at backup goalie options. I think it's also a question of when Francois has been ready. And I think the organization doesn't really have much clarity on when that's going to be. Um, so we'll see. I think it's, it's all a waiting game and all seeing kind of Joe Sackick is a patient person, but it's, it'll be interesting to see how patient he will be in this situation. Absolutely. And if there's no move being made, do you see maybe an Adam Warner coming into the net at some point if Miska continues to struggle and there's no move made? Or do you think Miska's job is pretty secure still? Um, I think Adam Warner definitely could get some time. I mean, I, I believe that he's been kind of bouncing up and down between the Eagles, the AHL affiliate to make sure he's still getting some game reps. But Miska has been with the team and and has been dressing for the game. So I think he'll at least assuming there aren't any like transactions made, he'll at least get one more chance uh, probably in a back-to-back to, 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 I guess, show what he can do. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of moves as the trade deadline gets closer and speaking of Joe Sackick as a very patient man, outside of the backup goaltending position, what moves do you see the avalanche making in this upcoming trade deadline, if any at all? Yeah, I think it's going to be really tough just because of the cap situation. Um, And a lot of teams just don't have the financial flexibility to make moves. Um, So the Avalanche have a a little bit of cap space right now, but they also will have to, they they won't always have that much cap space because currently Eric Johnson's contract isn't counting against the cap and Pavel Franco's contract isn't counting against the cap because they're on long-term injured reserve. So I think that, 
there's a question of how much financial flexibility the abs will have, how long they think those guys will be out for. And then that'll kind of dictate what moves they're able to make. I think if you look at things they could upgrade on, I think you maybe could get a middle six forward, maybe a third line center to, to kind of solidify that, that third line. If you don't uh, love how JT Confer's performed this year, um, or if you have faith in JT Confer, I guess, bouncing back from his early season struggles, then maybe you look for another depth forward or obviously backup goaltending, like you mentioned. So there are some things that this team could, could definitely make upgrades on. I would not cross any fingers for them to make some sort of blockbuster and bring in a huge name. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what I've been getting at in my recent episodes. One name I brought up as a potential move was Eric Stahl as a potential third line center and getting him, from Buffalo. Do you see that being as maybe a potential move that they could make? So that's an, that's an interesting name. Let me look at what his cap hit is 3.25 million. Um, so, so they definitely would have to, I guess, flip some contracts to make sure that, that he's not, uh, or to, to make sure that they stay under the cap. But I think a player like that could potentially make sense. Someone with veteran experience who's, who's been in big games before, I think someone like that could could definitely help the team. Um, I'm not. I'm curious if they if they'll have the cap flexibility. But it's also not like Eric Stahl has has had a phenomenal year this season. Granted, a lot of players in Buffalo have not had great years yeah, this season. There's, but there's definitely an asterisk when it comes to Buffalo. Yeah. So it's so it's it's interesting. It's it's just you've got a question about or you've got to like wonder. Every move that people look at, you have to ask yourself, like, is this person better than JT Comfort? And maybe that's the case. I think you you definitely have someone with a championship pedigree install. Um, but I think those are the the questions you have to be asking yourself when going into this this trade deadline. If you're looking at a third line center, yeah, this trade deadline I think is going to be interesting in the sense that it might not be very interesting at all with just yes how few buyers there's going to be on the market this season. And I do think that the avalanche will end up being one of them just with the amount of talent that they have, even with their lack of cap space. But uh, speaking of this team right now and how they've played so far, in your honest opinion, do you still see this team as a Stanley cup favorite or have they been downgraded a bit since they haven't proved that much yet? I mean, I think they're a Stanley Cup contender. I think, like, obviously maybe their odds were the highest at the beginning of the season, but it wasn't, like, there was never, like, a greater than 50% chance or anything that the Avalanche were going to win the Stanley Cup. I think that they're going to have a tough Vegas team to contend with in their own division, and then there's some other really good teams across the country that they're going to have to have to play against um, if, they, if they're to make it very far. Um, but I, I think – I put them as a contender much like I I would have at the beginning of the season I don't know if I mean their roster is still very talented there's some holes for sure but I think that if Grubauer is playing well they've got a shot any night yeah I think I would absolutely agree with that like coming into the season they may have been the Stanley Cup favorite according to all the odds books and everything 
But I think a team like Tampa or even Vegas has taken that title at this point because, like we were talking about earlier, this team's lack of consistency has been prevalent throughout the season. I mean, they've only won three games in a row once, and we're coming up on that being almost two months ago, while a team like Tampa Bay or Vegas has rattled off those win streaks multiple times without problems. So I would definitely agree that they are a contender. And while we still have half the season left and it's more important than anything to not peak in the beginning of the season and peak towards the end of the season, which considering the team's shooting percentage is absolutely possible, they can still prove it, but they just haven't really proven it yet. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where if the avalanche win the Stanley cup, I will not be shocked. I mean, it's, it's like, I think no team, it's hard to say any single team like, oh, I think this team for sure is going to win the Stanley Cup other than maybe Tampa. Like Tampa definitely seems to have the most complete team right now. But I think when when the games get going, like in in the playoffs, really, there's it's hard to assess in March how these teams are going to look come May and June. Yeah, this the regular season, once it once game one of the playoffs start, the regular season can just basically be thrown away because we really have no idea how these teams are going to end up looking in May. It's going to be now for the playoffs. And uh, speaking of this team's Stanley Cup chances, do you think that this roster, as it's constructed right now, is the best chance this team is going to have at a Stanley Cup with guys like Kale McCarr, and Landeskog and even Philip Grubauer's contracts expiring at the end of this season? Is it it because I think it's only going to get harder from here. Do you think that they can ice a team similar to this one next year or two years down the road with all these contracts expiring soon? I mean, you're certainly going to have to pay McCarr. Obviously, Landeskog is going to get a bit of a boost. Grubauer is going to get a boost. The question is really the young players coming up because if Alex Newhook is as good as, as people think he is, and if he can be a legit like middle six center pretty quickly, then I don't necessarily think that this is the best chance this team has to, to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, remember, you currently have Graves, or I mean, uh, you currently have Taze and Gerard, who both look like top pairing level defensemen locked up on good contracts for the next few years. Um, at plus Bowen Byram, who's still developing, and Kel McCarr. I mean, if those four are your defensive core for the near future, I mean, that's really good. Uh, and then you obviously have McKinnon, Rantanen, and, uh, and Landis Goggle will presumably be back. So it's, you've got this really encouraging core with some good young players coming up. So I wouldn't necessarily say this is like, going to be the best chance the avalanche have to win a Stanley cup. I think it certainly is a, a good opportunity and it is certainly the beginning of a window or I guess last year was maybe the beginning of a window. Um, but I, I don't think it, this is like a must win year or anything like that. I would agree with that. Just in the sense that our defense this year has proven to sneakily be one of the best in the league, even without Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram, Sam Gerrard and Devon have really proven themselves to be on really any other team top pair defensemen. And especially without obviously McCarr right now, they've proven that they are even top pair defensemen on this team. So I think in that sense, the future for this team is very 
secure. And you have McKinnon locked up for at least the next three years until he gets his boost. Rantanen's locked up for all foreseeable future. I I can't imagine a future where Gabe Landeskog starts next season on a different team that's not the Colorado Avalanche, considering how much he means to this team. Yeah, yeah, I think it's... He seems like a guy who will be back. Um, obviously, they've he wants to stay in Colorado. Um, Colorado wants him to stay. It just comes down to making the money work. Yeah, it's I can I I think he'll get a bit of a boost when it comes to his cap hit, just because his cap hit right now is so cheap. But I can't imagine it would be anything that would break the bank and be something that Joe Sackett can just walk away from. I don't think I don't think any avalanche fan or even the the team itself would ultimately accept that yeah yeah i think i mean you never say never i mean i i think that the cap situation makes things interesting but also it's not like other teams are going to have a ton of cap space either yeah especially with the salary cap staying flat for the next four years was it um i don't know if they if they know exactly yet. i'm not 100 percent sure on that but we'll see yeah, I think I think that's what Bettman said even after the ESPN deal the next 4 years the cap was going to be flat, but I think that would just about wrap up what I had for you today. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Um, yeah, just continue to read the Athletics Avalanche coverage. We appreciate all the all the readers we have and and I uh I thank you for for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. We we thank you for your time today. Peter, you are always great, and you are one of the best beat reporters I've seen in the field right now. We really appreciate you coming on today. Great. Thank you so much. And that was Peter Baugh of The Athletic. You can follow him at Peter underscore Baugh. That is B-A-U-G-H. Again, really just one of the best guys in the business. He might be brand new on the beat for the Avalanche, but his work so far on the team has been excellent, to say the least. So to get to the two games for the Avalanche against the LA Kings, like I said earlier, the second win against the Kings marks just the second three-game winning streak for the Avalanche so far this season. I mean, it's that still does not blow my mind any less than it did last week but I'm glad we at least got there once again because it's been over a month at this point I know there was the week COVID pause and everything and four game stretch against Vegas but the best teams the real cup contending teams like Tampa Bay and even Vegas or any like think of anyone for that matter they all have these long extended winning streaks that they can just rattle off with no problem and even while the Avalanche haven't had that big winning streak as of late, with this win to take them to three in a row, they are now 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, which is much better than it was last week when I was looking at like 4-5-1 and one and just something awful like that. So these two games against the Kings, it just seemed the Avalanche pushed them around for the most part, and the score indicates as such, and so do the shots on goal. The, the Kings, they're just not... On that level yet, no one's surprised by that result. I don't think the Kings are surprised by that at all. I think they're disappointed that they only got one goal in these two games. Ironically enough, in the second game, is 
the shots on goal total seem to come back down to earth for both sides. I, mean, I, I say back down to earth, but the Avalanche still had 41 shots, and the Kings, I believe, without looking at it, had 28 instead of 14 like we've had against the Coyotes and just a mere 18 or 16 for the Kings in that first game. I mean, in the first game alone, it, it seemed like we were going to be in for another repeat of the Arizona series, and we pretty much were the entire time, except the only difference was that the Kings didn't get any bounces their way at all and were held off the board entirely. And we got one goal from Miko Rantanen halfway through the game, and that would hold up as the only goal with a goalie in the net. He would give the empty net goal to Nathan McKinnon, that would be McKinnon's sixth of the season, and Avalanche just played solid all around from start to finish. They just couldn't buy a damn goal, it seemed like. Cal Peterson made 44 saves. I mean, it was just at a certain point, like I brought up with Peter, the damn has to break at some point. I mean, my God. They were shooting during that stretch or even during that stretch and extending that a few games out, they were shooting at 4%. I mean, that's just not possible. Like, the dam's going to break at some point, and you're going you're gonna to regress back to the mean at some point. It's the same with having a high shooting percentage. Like, if you're shooting 20%, that's going to come crashing back down to earth eventually. And I think the second game against the Kings... They were able to get some bounces. You know, 4-1's not blowing them out of the water or anything, but it's pretty good. It's not awful. And we clearly we clearly deserve to win both of these games, despite how much Peterson kept them in it. And in this first game, I wouldn't really say anyone played overly bad. There were some bad penalties from Calvert and Jost. Calvert took a bad hooking penalty with under 10 minutes left and the Kings surprisingly have a very good looking power play they ultimately didn't get any of the goals in these two games from their power play but it's been pretty good for most of the season and they came pretty close a lot of the time and again I wouldn't really even say anyone looked particularly bad and just it seems like it seems like things are starting to fire on all cylinders once the goals start to come and we'll see if Getting even just a couple goals past Cal Peterson in the second game can carry over towards our next matchups. This team's going to be in really, really great shape as we take on the Ducks. I'm very glad we're playing the Ducks next game because those that back-to-back against the Ducks with the two overtime games is really bothering me now because ever since that, the Ducks have been awful. I talked with... Nathan Carter from the Quack Report podcast after those games. And yes, the Ducks were coming off the nine-game losing streak, but they they at least made those games close. And their recent stretch ever since that has been abysmal. They won their next game against the Kings 6-5 to five in overtime. Yeah, the Kings still scored five goals on them, the same Kings team that scored one on us, and then lost 5-1 to one to the Kings. So the Kings scored 10 goals on them in two games. And then they have a back-to-back against the Sharks. They lose the first game 6 to nothing, and the second one 3-1. to one. So I very much want to play the Ducks 
and run them out of the building very very badly and if this if they can't do that i am go i'm going to be disappointed if we don't win this game by like at least four goals the ducks are not a good hockey team and i don't think it's a real secret at this point or an offense to say that it just se it seems a little perfect you know you have you have dealing with the goalie situation against arizona and la but you pull out all but two points in those games you get was that six of eight points and then you just got one standalone matchup against the ducks before your big series against the wild you throw them around a little bit and you get goals past the struggling john gibson who is every time i look at his numbers he is just looking worse and worse i mean i don't remember exactly which game he played that he allowed all those goals it was either the 6-0 or the 5-1 to the Kings, or or it might have been both for all I know. He's been struggling as a late, and we really have no excuse not to just run this Ducks team into the ground, frankly. We really should. We should throw them around a lot more than we have this season. All of our wins against the Ducks, the, both of them, have come in overtime, and the Ducks have taken two games of their own. We're what is it, 2-1-1, one, and one, and they're 2-1-1 one, and one against us? I think, I think more than anything, I just really, really want to just kick the Ducks' asses on Tuesday because, not because I don't like the Ducks or because I can't stand the Ducks, just because those two games are on my nerves and I want to wipe them away from my memory before we take on the Wild. Shockingly enough, these games against the Wild have turned into very important games with how they've been playing as of late. I don't remember their exact record, but they are rattling off wins left and right. I, th I think it was 10 of their last 13 games that they've won, and Kirill Kaprizov has blown every expectation away completely. I mean, let's look at since they... They since they played the Avalanche and beat us six to two, they swept two games against the Kings, lost two games to Vegas, but one of them in overtime. Then split a series against the Coyotes, and then swept Vegas at home on their home ice, and then have won two games against the Coyotes with another one coming up on Tuesday against them before they come to Colorado to play us. That, those are going to be some very fun games. And those are going to be some very telling games for both sides. If we'll see, if we'll see just how legit Minnesota is, and we'll see just how ready the Avalanche are to take on a hungry team. Because Minnesota is one—they're one of the stories of the league right now. They are two points behind Vegas. Vegas has a game in hand, but we've played the same amount of games as the wild and they won one more game than we have and they're a point ahead of us because we have one extra overtime loss which is why those games against the ducks still bother me because that point would be awful important right now with being tied with minnesota but you have plenty of time to make that up later yeah, and what better time to make it up than to beat them twice in a row i re i want to finish this homestand on a five game winning streak We've won three in a row now, and actually this would be a six-game winning streak. I want to finish it on a six-game winning streak before we hit the road for a back-to-back -back in Arizona, and you should win both those games too, and then you got two more games 
against Vegas, another one against the Ducks, and another one against Arizona. I mean, this this month is crazy. We're about halfway done with it now, and only really in the last two games have we looked that good. But, I mean, we're, we're already halfway through our road games, and we've only played two of them this month. We've, only, we've got two road games in Arizona, and they're back-to-backs, and the rest are home games. So even after this nine-game homestand ends, it's just a brief vacation in Glensdale before you have a four-game homestand again at the end of the month. And just like I said, coming into the month, and make, make that a, a six-game homestand because in the beginning of April, you got a back-to-back at home against St. Louis. So you really got to rattle off as many points as you can here and just have a big winning streak now because I think this is all starting to come together. It seems like your shooting percentage problems are starting to go away. You had a solid game against the Kings where you've got big goals from a guy like Kadri who represents a lot of the inconsistencies of this team at times. Another one from Andre Burakovsky and Jonas Donskoy. And when you're getting goals from those guys, your second and third line guys, you're going to be just fine. The shooting percentage is going to find its way back up. Nathan McKinnon got the empty net goal from Rantanen again, second time that's happened in back-to-back games. You just really want to see that happen more consistently now. It seems like we've shaken off a lot of the issues that bothered us early in the month. We did not take take this Kings team lightly at all, which is great to see. I mean, the Kings had five power plays in this game. I forgot about that. The, the power play advantage was 5-1 to one in this game, and they held them off the board entirely. I mean, I talked about it with Peter. This Avalanche team has really turned into one of the best defensive teams in the league, and that's not biased. That's just straight-up facts at this point. They give up their shot differential this season. I don't have it in front of me, but it's in the 200s right now. Pretty sure before the game, they were talking about it was a 215. They've taken 215 more shots on goal than they've given up this entire season. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from this recent stretch. And we outshot the Kings again, 41 to 28 in this one. So that total has only gone up. And you go to just any analytics site like Evolving Hockey and you look at any goals against metric. Let's look at expected goals against over 60. The Avalanche are the second best team in the league when it comes to expected goals against behind only the Dallas Stars. They are, The Avalanche have a 1.84 expected goals against over 60. Just, just for, for context, Vegas is the middle of the pack and they are 2.28. Now expected goals, for those who don't know, it basically measures the quality of the scoring chance. The higher the expected goals against average, the higher quality scoring chances you're giving up like like a breakaway is a would add a lot to that and a a a shot from the point would be basically nothing you you even want to go to expected goals for percentage the avalanche are at the top of the league at 57 percent now this measures expected goals against and goals for respectively and the avalanche are at 57 percent the best in the league. And that's not measuring just defense. That measures their offense too and their just their overall balance. This team is really due for a breakout. 
and it's it's gonna come from everybody. I think most of all from Nathan McKinnon, who's been held off the the score sheet for most of the season. He's got two empty net goals in a row. I don't think he's very satisfied with that. I mean, Logan O'Connor has passed him in five-on-five goals. Is something I mentioned a few episodes ago. He's going to break out at some point this season and never look back. Like, we could be talking massive goal streaks, two goal games, probably throw a hat trick in there at some point. It's It's got to be coming. It's Nathan McKinnon. There's no chance that it's just he's regressed or anything like that. Like, this is this is bad luck. He has taken so many shots, and his, his shooting percentage is 7.4%. He's taken less shots than, or taken more shots than Miko Ranton, and he actually leads the team in shots on goal with 94, and second is Miko Rantanen with 87. And Rantanen has scored on 14.9% of his shots. So McKinnon is going to get his due eventually. He leads this team in shots on goal, and he is third on the team in goals. I mean, Brandon Saad is shooting at 23%. He is nine goals on the season. He's taken 39 shots. And he, he makes his money in front of the net a lot of the time, but... 23%, 23%, you got to think that might come crashing down at some point. I don't know Brandon Saad's career shooting percentage off the top of my head. It's 11.7%. So hopefully that doesn't come crashing down for Saad. I mean, he hasn't scored a ton recently. He just scores, it seems like every once in a while, it seems. He's, he went on a little bit of a slump ever since the COVID break scored one against Vegas, and he didn't get another until the first game against Anaheim earlier this month. And since then, he's got three. This team, pretty much across the board, is due for a serious regression to the mean when it comes to their shooting percentage. You just you look at across the league, the Avalanche are fourth worst in shooting percentage. The only teams worse are the Boston Bruins, which is terrifying considering how potent their offense is the buffalo sabers which does not surprise me at all and the nashville predators and you go to the top of the league the flyers the capitals and the minnesota wild are third in the league in shooting percentage i mean the my god look at that the avalanche they shoot at 6.96 percent and the wild shoot at 10.19%. You gotta think that's all gonna come crashing down to earth at some point. It's all gonna work itself out. I know it seems like, oh, time's running out on the season, and oh, it's a short season, every game matters so much more, but when you really look at it, I know that in terms of time, in terms of when the playoffs start, compared to when the season started, we're halfway through the season, but the Avalanche are not quite there yet. They're not at the point where they are halfway through the season. They're they're 26 games in. It's a 56-game season. So they're two games away from the halfway point. They still have half of the season to really find that final form. And guys, they're only three points behind Vegas. And Vegas only has one game in hand. It is still very, very feasible that the Avalanche win this division. 
I know it didn't seem like that for a while there, but it's hard to see the forest for the trees when you're so down in the dumps and no goals are going in and we're losing to the ducks and the sharks and this is embarrassing. And now we've rattled a few wins in a row. And now we were in striking distance. I think Minnesota is going to cool off eventually. They're not, they're, Minnesota is not that good. They're good. They're making the playoffs. I will say that on air right now. The Minnesota Wild are in. They are making the playoffs. I think they'll finish third or fourth in the West Division, just depending on how the Blues do, because the Blues are very inconsistent. You you want to complain about the Avalanche being inconsistent. The Blues are that on steroids. I mean, their last 10, they're 4-3-3. Three, and three. And Minnesota, they're third in the league in shooting percentage and behind the Flyers, who are already crashing back down to earth after their horrible last 10. The Capitals always have a high shooting percentage just because Alex Ovechkin exists and he completely skews that stat for them. And Minnesota, they've never been known for their offense recently. And Kirill Kaprizov is great, and he's going to be great this entire season, but a guy like Victor Rask is going to cool down eventually for them like they've got Matt Zuccarello firing on all cylinders and being a top line player for them after barely even being noticeable before last season and Joel Eric Joel Erickson Eck has 11 goals and is shooting 18 percent that is not sustainable at all and Marcus Foligno a, one of the best defensive forwards in the league is shooting 29%. Victor Rask is shooting 28%. So, yes, it's concerning that Minnesota is ahead of us in the standings at this point of the season, but I wouldn't worry about it all that much. By the time game 56 rolls around and we're looking at playoff matchups, Minnesota's going to be down in that third or fourth spot, and the Avalanche are going to be going toe-to-toe with Vegas until the final day of the season for that top spot. Not saying Minnesota is bad. I think they are in, and I think they will be a problem for anyone who faces them in the first round. If they if they finish third, fourth, it's going to be Colorado or Vegas that faces them. I'd love to see how that matchup goes. Personally, I'd kind I'd kind of want Minnesota in the first round, not because they'd be the easy matchup, but it's been a few years since 2014, hasn't it? I kind of want that back. That game seven overtime loss, it's just, it's been too long. I think we are owed a shot at them. I mean, they, they caught us at a very high time when the Avalanche were on a complete PDO bender during the Patrick Waugh coaching year, his first year as the coach. And they caught us on just a regression. I think it's I think it'd be more than, than enough poetic justice to catch Minnesota on a PDO bender in the playoffs for them in what's supposed to be a a bounce back year for them like it was for Colorado that year. I think it's going to be a very interesting race down the stretch. Los Angeles, they are they are surpassing expectations and they they're getting performances from Kopitar and Dowdy. But I think these two games against the Avalanche just kind of showed that, like, they're close, but they can't compete yet. Yes, they beat up on St. Louis a little bit. I don't. I think that just has more to do with St. Louis, if I'm being honest. It's it's just seeming to shake out the way that I thought it would at the beginning of the season. There's a there's a clear top four in the division. 
And the only thing that surprises me is obviously Minnesota has broken their way into that top four in the division and put themselves in a category with St. Louis. But the the LAs, the Arizonas, the San Jose's, and the Anaheims, they're out. We have we have our four playoff teams in the West. We know who's making it. I don't really think there's gonna be that much drama as to making or missing the playoffs. Here's here's a statement for anyone who's who's worried about this team. The Colorado Avalanche are in. They're going to make the playoffs. Even if the wheels fall off the bus and this team never starts scoring and they have all their same struggles and everything, this team's going to make the playoffs. They are never going to be passed by the LA Kings or the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm really not. The Kings are not there yet. They've proven to be more competitive than even I thought they would be coming into the season. I had them in last, and they're not going to finish last. But Arizona can't score goals. LA is not there yet. San Jose has plenty of problems, and the Ducks just are flat-out awful. And they're not going anywhere this season. The Avalanche are in. And all the teams in this top four right now are in, barring catastrophe. It would take catastrophe catastrophe for any of these teams, even St. Louis, to miss the playoffs, even as much as they have struggled this season. And it's going to be interesting to see who gets that top spot out of Vegas and Colorado as we get to this halfway point. Vegas has just lost Alex Petrangelo, I believe, for the foreseeable future, they said. that That's going to be a big blow to their defense and I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be due for a regression at some point. He's been playing out of his mind, and it's going to be very interesting. I've, I wish I could say Colorado is going to take that top spot. I think they're in a very great spot to do so, especially if they dominate the rest of March. I mean, they have two games against Vegas at well to, as well towards the end of the month. We'll definitely see how that race is shaking out at that point. But even then, going back to the upcoming schedule, you have to win these next three games. I mean, against Minnesota, I would... You can't lose both. You definitely can't lose both. Losing one, I'll be disappointed, but I wouldn't be angry just because Minnesota's on a, a shooting percentage bender right now, and that doesn't mean it's just going to crash whenever they play us. It might crash never. It might not crash until the very end of the season just because that's just how it works sometimes. One loss is all I'd be willing to accept. I mean, you should be winning both these games against Minnesota. These are big games against Minnesota. This is your this is your biggest rival right now in this division. I mean, we we just haven't played the Blues enough recently for me to consider them a rival as a yet. I would ho- I was hoping we'd have one with them, but we've only played them twice at the beginning of the season. The games against Minnesota have gotten pretty nasty this season for avalanche standards and vegas as great as the hockey is it there's just not enough history there to call that a rivalry so these games against minnesota they're probably going to be the closest previews we have of playoff hockey in the regular season that we've had so far i know those games against vegas were important and everything but even then that's just high-end regular season hockey these games against minnesota are going to be brutal they're going to be physical and the avalanche they're going to have to they're going to have to show up completely they're going to have to show up to play they can't half-ass it against the wild 
I didn't have them as a team that you would need to pay too much attention to coming into the season. I had that only Vegas and St. Louis, but they've proven themselves to be a threat, and you need to be ready to face them. You can't let wins against the Kings and what I'm hoping is going to be a win against the Ducks get to your heads. This is, this is going to be a very big game, and I hope that they're ready to they're ready to face them head on, right at the I'd say their height. I think I think Minnesota once this consistency starts to die off for them, and they're not going to win ten of thirteen anymore. They're going to not plummet down, but consistently start to go down a little bit. But this is probably when you're going to be facing them at their peak for the rest of the season. You play them just randomly. Actually, you see them a little bit later, so we'll see how they're doing at that point. But like I was saying, coming into March, this is a very important month, and it's great that we're on a three-game winning streak now, and I hope that we can push that to four, five, and six, and then eventually eight. I mean, I'll one game at a time. I want to just start with four, and then we'll go from there. But I really do want to see this be at least a six-game winning streak before this homestand is wrapped up because we need it. We need to consistently rattle off points because even though, even though we haven't done that all season, we're still only three points back of Vegas. And if you can start to do that and rattle off a bunch of wins in a row, we might be in first before we know it. We haven't been in first all season. And just all all you need is just consistency night in night out no off nights get healthy and we might be talking about a completely different avalanche team in just a few weeks by the time we play vegas we might be the ones in first no you just you just never know but i think that is going to do it for me today on this edition of the tell it abs it is podcast Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when you sign up for access to exclusive offers. Next time you guys hear from me, we will have a game against the Anaheim Ducks in the books. You will hear from me again on Thursday with my thoughts on that game and the upcoming game against the Minnesota Wild or the upcoming games for that matter. Very, very important games and just... I want more than anything for this team to beat up on the Ducks and just get that out of the way, wipe away these first four performances, and just kick the crap out of them for 60 minutes. But that's going to do it for me today on this edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Tell It As It Is and follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time.